You're listening to the Before Midnight Podcast with your host, Felicia and Jessica. Grab your Bible and a cup of something warm. We're going to chat about making the most of the magically transformed lives we've been given. Welcome back to the podcast and happy Halloween. This is our spookiest episode yet. Thank you so much for joining. Grab a pumpkin spice latte because today we're talking about how to make spiritual warfare less scary. And if you haven't checked out our other episodes in October, I highly recommend that you do because they have a lot of spooky, fun themes going on in them. And today is no different. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare. And one comparison that I really like when thinking about the concept of spiritual warfare is a haunted house. And this is our spookiest episode yet, so get ready. But (laughs) basically, I think a lot of times in the Christian world, we have a really big emphasis on we got to fight the devil. We have the armor of God. Mm-hmm. We got to, you know, get out there and do it and just battle. And, and, and there's a place for that. You know, we need to be brave people. We need to have a little bit of fight in us. And I think that's really important. But so often I think it's easy to allow all this talk about fighting the devil and, and all this to kind of start building a little bit of a fear in our heads. Like, I don't know if you ever thought this, but sometimes, especially in the past, but even sometimes now I think like, okay, well, if I start fighting really hard, then I'm going to get his attention and then he's going to come after me more. And so it's like, you almost want to like not, you know, fight too hard. And then there's like this whole fear of like, okay, well, if I actually start rebuking things and getting really confident, then isn't he going to attack me more? And so there's like this fear that can kind of go along with the concept of spiritual warfare. And in order for us to fight well, we need to understand and deal with the fear behind it. And the reason why we're talking about a haunted house is because I think this is so cool. But when you go to a haunted house, I don't know if you've been to many. I have been to zero because I'm a scaredy cat. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I want to go to one someday and film it because I think that would be really great. But if you ever film me, I'll just be passed out. Somewhere. Yeah, we'll just be carrying <laughs> Felicia like, through. And I'll be like, don't touch her. Don't touch her. Well, hey, that's fun. Yeah, that's there we go. But I will be crying while I'm doing it. But it, yeah. would, it would have to take that for me to rise up in strength. But um, basically what happens is when you go to a haunted house, the goal is to scare you, right? They want to scare you. They want to show you things. But they legally, the actors there who are doing everything, they legally cannot touch you. That's why you have certain really famous big haunted houses that you have to sign a waiver for because they'll actually like touch you and and grab you and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And you have to sign a waiver giving them legal permission to touch you um, because they don't want to be liable. If they touch you and then something happens, you get hurt, they're liable. So most haunted houses... They cannot actually touch you. And when I thought about that, I forget what I was doing, but I thought about that and I realized, man, that is exactly like spiritual warfare. We're basically walking through a haunted house and the enemy is trying to scare us. He's jumping out. He's throwing things our way. He's trying to get you to choose fear, insecurity, worry, stress, anger, bitterness, whatever it is. He's trying to distract us and get us to choose fear, get us to choose these things but he cannot touch us. You are protected by the blood of Jesus. And that is what we're talking about. I love talking about this so much. And Jessica has been like a big help in my life. A lot of people have, but this was something I struggled with severely for quite a while. 
And it wasn't when I was young because I went to a Christian school that kind of taught this concept that honestly, most most Christians do. But there's circles in Christian Christianity like there is in everything of people that really like emphasize certain topics. And when you start listening to them, it kind of is like just very draws you in. It's like, oh, what, what? And it becomes like it can become very frightening to even talk about it. And so honestly, I just feel like this moment that I'm in is a, you know, what the enemy meant for evil. God is going to use it for good because I could never imagine like when I was really in the midst of dealing with this, talking about this concept openly, you know? Yeah, honestly, like. I want to say, because Jessica, you really did help me through this a lot. So <laughs> I don't want to get emotional, but it's it's just an awesome moment for me. And um, one, one thing with fear is that, you know, it can become very debilitating. It can feel like we're never going to get rid of a fear. Because when I was struggling with this, it was like I was fighting it. I was fighting it with like verses and I was doing everything I can a lot for my own effort a lot of the time, by the way. And it felt like I was never going to get out of it. But I just want to say to whoever wants to hear this today and whoever needs this is that you will get past whatever fear you're going through right now. And the Holy Spirit has been put in you to lead you into all truth. So there will be a moment and a time, and maybe it's going to be what you're hearing today, that fear will break in your life, you know, because the Holy Spirit is is walking you towards it. So just stay in there, you know, and stay strong. But um, yeah, like you were talking about, the enemy can't touch us. And like something I wanted to talk about with this is that as Christians, we are free. And this verse that really helped me during a lot of the stuff I struggled with was Colossians 1.13. And it says, Jesus has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And when I was, when I was going through it and read that verse, I feel like I read this verse a couple times and like, I didn't realize what it said. And then I kind of like did a Greek word study cause I love doing that. Mm. And so I kind of just really quickly <laughs> wanted to read some of the definitions of these words. And so when it says that Jesus has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, Um, that can be translated like authority, but what it really means is physical or mental power can control strength and authority. So when you think about like the kingdom of darkness, which is the enemy's kingdom, he has no strength. He has no physical or mental power or control over us as Christians anymore. And so like you said, it is literally just mind games and intimidation that comes at us. And we have the free will to go, am I going to listen to that voice or am I going to listen to the word of God? And um, another thing about this verse is that it's actually in, which I'd never heard of this before, but it's in the Aorist tense, which I probably said that wrong, but it basically (laughs) means that this happened, like when it says that Jesus delivered us, that word is in the Aorist tense, which means it happened at a point in time. So it's not in a progressional thing. Mm. The moment you were saved, you were delivered from that kingdom. And it's not a back and forth thing. Right. Yeah. Right. That's so important, like you said, to know our position in Christ. And I think that that is, like you're saying, the possibly the biggest thing yeah. that will help us understand because that's what gives us the authority to know that we can't be touched by the enemy. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, uh, it says in Ephesians that we are seated with him in heavenly places. And we need to get a vision that that is our life. That is where we sit. And we're not on the throne, right? Jesus is on the throne. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is savior. But we're on his lap, right? We're with him. We're in his place with him because we are his beloved. And when you understand, we can get a vision seated on his lap, on his throne, his beloved that no one can touch, his favorite special one. Who can touch you? No one can touch you. It's mind games, just like you said. And I really feel like the enemy of our soul is so good at disguising himself. And yet, the writings of our past are all very clear that there is a villain out there. And I want to read something that I wrote in my journal a long time ago. I ripped it out. <laughs> but um, I wrote this and just thinking about the concept of the villain. And, you know, in every great epic story that we've ever loved, there's a villain. And there's a villain in those stories because there's a villain in your story. And the villain always, always goes after the beauty. Mm. And so this is what I wrote. The evil queen and Maleficent put the beauty to sleep, both intending death. Mother Gothel locks Rapunzel in the tower, and the white witch lures the children to her house in order to kill them. The villain always sees the potential in you before you see it. Hmm. If you think that you aren't a threat, that just shows you how easily you can be manipulated. And I think that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to scare you into, like you said, you're not beloved of God. You know, all the past episodes that we've done this month, you know, the past relationships, difficult people in your life, trying to convince you that there's nothing special about you, but you don't attack what you're not threatened by. And there's something on your life that terrifies the enemy. And if you allow him to manipulate you, you will live your life caged in fear when nothing is actually able to touch you. And that is the truth about spiritual warfare that we want to get across today is that how you fight it is through your position in Christ. Mm -hmm. And when you were talking about how like, you know, the villain always goes after the beauty, it makes me think of even in like, movies about a high school and then like yes. a girl who's bullied by the girl <laughs> it's like silly high school musical high school music. <laughs> I think I kind of think of Lizzie McGuire but it's like yes. all those movies yes. where the person that's bullied you're like well that person's like pretty attractive or something they're usually and it's gorgeous. like <laughs> they're usually gorgeous they're usually like pretty cool and it's like that bully targets that person because they're threatened by them you know because yes. they have some sort of talent that they don't have and they're trying to make sure that they don't rise up to their potential by, you know, just intimidating them. And that's the same with the enemy. He sees something in you. He sees Christ in you. That's the main thing. I mean, that's a point is we're not really fighting with the enemy directly. He's fighting against like the spirit of God in us, which he can't fight against because God's so much more powerful. But that's what intimidates him is that spirit of God inside of us. And when I talk about like authority and stuff and how when we were delivered, um, he had no more authority over us. I think about it in a job kind of setting. <laughs> and it's like, if you're working for a company, your boss can tell you like, hey, I need you to get this done right now. I need you to send this email. I need to do like, I need you to do these things. And, you know, if you want to get paid, if you want to like, <laughs> oh if my. you want to keep your job, you know, you have to listen to them and you're expected to do what they tell you to do. 
But right when you leave that company, if your boss emails you and they're like, hey, I need you to do this, it's like, no can do. Like, you know, no, <laughs> yeah. more, you don't have authority over me anymore. And that's how we think have to think about authority. It's like, you know, the enemy's trying to intimidate us, but he can't, he can't make us do anything anymore because we're not under that kingdom. So like the enemy doesn't have authority over you anymore. And so you hear some people in the Christian circle and they're like, oh, you know, I don't hear this a lot from people I know, but I've heard like from a third hand person that people have said this kind of stuff before. And it's like, oh, you know, the enemy made me sin. The enemy made me do that. Like they <laughs> cheat on their spouse and they're like, you know, it was just too much temptation. Yeah. And the thing is like, as Christians, we're now controlled by the love of God. I don't know what verse that is, but there's a verse somewhere in the Bible and it says we're controlled by the love of God. And I think it's it's really powerful to know that sin can't make you do anything. The only thing that can kind of lead us into sin is our past way of thinking before we became a Christian or habits that we mm -hmm. were falling into before then. So like, you know, when you feel like temptation or something or something from your past that you've dealt with is too strong, just remember that you have a new nature now and Christ is living in you and you don't have to fall to those past things anymore. So one thing that we talk about a lot in the realm of spiritual warfare is our authority. And I think, you know, for me, that's kind of also been the area where it's been difficult because you think again, like, oh, if I start using my authority, I'm putting a target on me. It's like, you know what? When we became Christians, we became targets. That part is over. But again, we need to rethink what it means to fight a spiritual battle. And in Ephesians 6, 13 through 18, it talks about the armor of God. Most of us probably know these verses, but it goes through, you know, the, the helmet of truth, the belt of righteousness. I might be getting it wrong, but <laughs> it goes through each of them. And I don't know about you, but like, what does that mean? Like, how do you fight, right? Like the sword of the spirit is the only one that's kind of feel like you're actually fighting. But what I find interesting is that if you actually look at the armor and take away the armor imagery and just look at what each thing is, each part of our armor of God is a gift from God. So truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, spiritual tongues, all of these things that the Bible says we use to fight the enemy with are not abilities or strengths or things that we have that we must use to fight. They are all simply gifts from God. Going back to that idea of us sitting on his lap on his yeah. throne, you know, these are all things that you can't earn. You know, like mm -hmm. you were saying, like the moment you were saved, you were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. These gifts are now yours. And so the way that we fight and we fight well in the realm of spiritual warfare is to receive these gifts, know that he's given to them given them to us freely, and we trust him. We trust his truth when we feel lies. We trust that we are the righteousness of God when we feel afraid. We choose his peace when we feel anxiety overwhelming us, right? We choose faith in him when we feel scared. We choose to believe we're in his kingdom, and we choose the gifts that he's given us. And when we do that, we are actually doing spiritual warfare. Because like we've been talking about the haunted house, he's just trying to scare us. He's trying to distract you yeah. and get your eyes off of God and off of your position and your authority in Christ and onto yourself and your emotions because emotions lie all the time. 
But these gifts of God will help redirect our minds away from the emotions we feel onto his truth. And that rest and that trust in him is what is fighting against the enemy. Yeah, I love that so much. (laughs) That's so good. And um, we've all heard this verse and it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And I want to stop right there for a second, because a lot of people talk about strongholds in a way that makes it a little more scary than it should be. Because when you read this verse, it's going to tell you what the strongholds are. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every single thing it just listed was an argument, a lofty opinion, and a thought. Mm. None of those strongholds are these scary things. Yeah. Like strongholds can become stronger if we let them in our minds. That's how a stronghold starts. It's not just like, oh, I'm not in a stronghold, now I am. Right. (laughs) It's like, it's like, we have let a thought about bitterness or a thought about offense or in a fearful thought, you know, grow and grow and grow. And that thought in our mind is what that stronghold is, you know? Yeah. And so we don't need to be afraid of these terms sometimes that we hear, even with the term like spiritual warfare, you know, a lot of people have made that term to be a different thing than what it really is biblically. And that was one thing that's really important when I was going through fear is that fear thrives in the unknown or the misunderstood. Yes. And that's basically all the fear that power has. I like kind of thinking about fear sometimes as like a shadow puppet. And it looks really scary, you know, for a kid in the dark. And then you turn on the lights and it's like gone. And that's how it is with the word. The word is a light. And so when we're dealing with any kind of fear, whether it's this or whether it's something else, a lot of times we just need to turn on the light or go into the word of God and find out what the word actually says about these topics instead of depending on, you know, denominations or people in our church. Like we need to actually know what that means. And another thing that helped me when I was dealing with a lot of fear was to go to people in my life that I knew had a foundation in Christ and that I knew I could trust. Because when I was dealing with fear, there's people that were like, you don't need to be afraid of this. A lot of people around me. But it took me a while to realize if everybody around me that is close to Christ is like saying the same thing, maybe I should eventually trust it. <laughs> um, and it reminded me of that verse, Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And that's kind of about plans. But I think it's good to take that advice when it comes to like, you know, needing advice from people. It's just like when you hear a lot of people that you know have a foundation with God saying the same thing, you should probably (laughs) take advice from them. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's good. So another thing that I think is important to think about that helps me, I know, when I'm dealing with fear regarding spiritual warfare and the enemy is to remember our destiny. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Sometimes just renewing our minds again to our authority, our position, how he loves us, who we are in Christ, renewing our minds to that and understanding the kind of future that God has for us 
really kind of takes away a lot of the fear of the present because the enemy is concerned with our future. Mm -hmm. He doesn't really care about your present. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's after your future. He's after your influence. So if he can distract you now and scare you now and convince you that there's nothing really special about you and about your future, then he can succeed in kind of um, numbing you, almost like an animal that's been incapacitated. You're alive, but barely. You're just kind of taking up space. And I believe that's really his plan for us Christians. He can't really destroy us because, right, scripture says, you destroy my body, I go to be with the Lord. Like, there's nothing he can do to us, but... He wants to stop you from having influence on this earth. And so when we can get a vision of our futures, I think it really kind of helps take away some of the fear of what's going on because the veil comes up, right? And Mm -hmm. you see it for what it is. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. One story that has really helped me with this is the Chronicles of Narnia. And yes, I'm going to read a quote from that. And (laughs) in the very last book of the Chronicles of Narnia called The Last Battle, which is one of my favorites, Um, This is what it says. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Mm, so I, I literally almost teared up reading that. I was like, don't cry, don't, don't cry. cry. It is so beautiful because this is our reality. This is the beauty of being a Christian. This life is important, yes, but it is a blink of an eye. When, when we pass on to the next life, we will be getting, we will be beginning chapter one of the great story in which it goes on forever. There's no end. And when you can get a vision of that, this is why it is really important to think about the kingdom of God and, and heaven and the next life. Christians who are afraid of the next life are very scared Christians. They live very scared lives. But The Christians who are very bold that you notice in your life, who you want to be like, and they are just contagious, you want to be around them, they tend to have a pretty good picture of the next life. And I think that's a strength that is often overlooked, again, because the enemy wants to distract you with fear. And so the more you stay close to him and you cling to him and you read his word and you see your position, because that position is the same in this life and the next, it will cause you to rise above cowardice and live a brave life, not by fighting harder and by, you know, taking more hits and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting in the bloody battle. Like I I think of like the movies I grew up watching with my dad, like Gladiator and Braveheart and things like that. (laughs) I was thinking Braveheart when he said (laughs) Right. It's like, oh no, if I fight, I'm going into the ring. It's like, well, in a way, yes, but not really. You are resting in what he has done for you. And that gives you the confidence to walk boldly in this life and make a difference while we are here on this earth. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so good. <laughs> I Sometimes I just start listening to you and I forget what I'm going to say. I've heard the same kind of concept talked about in like our life here being a rehearsal. So it's like mm-hmm. when you're when you're getting ready for a play or you're getting ready for, you know, a movie, it's like this life is just the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And I've like also heard someone say that basically we're on the other side of death. 
So like you said, our position that we're in now is the same that it's going to be for eternity. You know, the only thing that's going to change is this body is going to be renewed and our mind is going to be completely renewed as well. But like who we are in the spirit, we're in the same place. You mentioned earlier, like we're seated in heavenly places. And I love that verse because it talks about the body of Christ. And then it talks about how Jesus is seated far above principalities and powers. And so yeah. what that's saying is even if we're like the feet of Jesus, we're still above <laughs> the principality and powers. Yeah. <laughs> so even if I'm probably the feet, you know, and like, like, I like the so. toe, like, <laughs> yeah. Nail. So I love that so much. And honestly, I think a good thing to remember with all this, with any kind of fear that you're having is instead of trying to fight the fear and fight like the idea of what you're struggling with sometimes it's just good to to unplug from all that and the fighting and the effort that we're putting and just rest in the love of god because the love of god i think is honestly the antidote to a lot of the fear in our life and like you know faith is the opposite of fear i don't know if this is biblical but this is just in my (laughs) mind like faith is the opposite of fear but love is an antidote to fear. And so a lot of times it's like, we can just fight these thoughts. We can fight these fears. We can try to fight against like sins that we're struggling with. When a lot of times, like all, all we really need to do is focus on God's love and how he sees us. And that will really help us overcome the things in our life that we're struggling with. Mm-hmm. Love really is the answer to all of this. And the more we grow and how much he truly loves us, the more it's going to overcome any of the fears that we face because we know we are loved of God and no one can touch his beloved, right? Mm -hmm. No matter how scary the haunted house is. Mm -hmm. And one more quote that really I feel paints this picture of what you were just talking about. And yes, it is from the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, This time from Prince Caspian. (laughs) So this quote really stuck out to me when I read it um, when I was going through the stories one time. And it's about Susan, who I would say I normally don't always relate to. Is that the youngest one? No, she's the oldest one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of just not the relatable one, right? Everyone wants to be Lucy. But this one really stuck out to me. And this was in a time in the story when Susan kind of made a big mistake, right? Like, and she's feeling really, really bad about it. And a lot of times we make mistakes or we allow ourselves to feel fear and then we feel shame because of the fear that we feel, right? We're like, I should be braver than this. Why am I doing this? And we just crumble. And so that's what Susan is feeling in this moment. And so, and all of her siblings like see it and they know it. And this is what happens. Then after an awful pause, the deep voice said, Susan, Susan made no answer, but the others thought she was crying. You have listened to fears, child, said Aslan. Come, let me breathe on you. Forget them. Are you brave again? (laughs) I love that so much. It gives me chills because I love how they refer to Aslan too as the deep voice. And to me, it's just such a beautiful picture of God, our father and Jesus and coming to us in our moment where we feel small and maybe we got scared, right? We let fears come in and we feel so small. We feel guilty. We feel condemned and we feel afraid and we feel about this big. 
And that's when he comes, the deep voice comes, that's deeper than the fears that we feel, deeper than the shame that we feel. And he comes and he says, you have listened to fears. That's the problem. It's not that you're not fighting hard enough. It's not that you you need to go out and, and you know hit someone. It's, it's you've listened to fears, child. But what's the answer? It's just like what you said. Come, come to me. Put your face in my mane. Let me breathe on you the words of life from my living word. And that is what is going to revive your bravery, not battle strategies and 10 ways to be a stronger fighter. And, you know, not saying that some of that teaching isn't helpful, but at the end of the day, we need to come and bring our tears to him and let him breathe his truth on us. And that is when we will come away and be brave again, not because we know all the battle tactics, but because we know who we are and we know whose we are. And that is why you have to spend time with Aslan, right? Spend time (laughs) with your king and let him, let his love overflow into you so much that the only thing that matters in your head at that moment is his love for you. And that will conquer every fear Mm -hmm. and every doubt and every feeling of guilt and shame that we have. When you're walking through the haunted house of spiritual warfare, you will not fear because you know who you are. Yes. I love that so much. And I feel like the thing that's so beautiful, one of the many things that's so beautiful about Jesus and his nature is that he's so far above all of the problems and all the things that we can, you know, kind of become overwhelmed with on a day-to-day basis. Yes. He's so far above it so that when we, when he looks down at us and sees us in fear, he, he just meets us where we are and he starts us back over again. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, you messed up. Okay, let's start again. Let's start again. And he's like, he's never, you know, he's not going to shame us. Mm-hmm. And he's just, there's so much strength there with knowing that he sees the end result. And, you know, he sees the, the strength in us, even when we're dealing with those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the wife who's so overwhelmed that she burns dinner and she starts crying. And this has happened to me. I'm like, this and, sounds personal. <laughs> and have you ever had those days when you're so overwhelmed that you're stressed out so easily because you're just overwhelmed, right? And so you just feel like you just failed and so then you go and cry and you're like I'm sorry I did this and it's like Jeff has just hugged me and been like it's okay like almost laughing a little like not in a in a bad way he's trying to comfort me but it's like look I love you this is not a big deal you know yeah. like it's sweet but you know come here let, let me yeah let me get you back back to normal here you know come you know a hug does so much right mm-hmm. sometimes you just need a hug you don't need someone to make it better you just need someone to give you a hug and the ultimate hug, of course, is from God. And that's mm-hmm. why that's how we were created. To feel and receive love is what covers the fear yes. and the, the insecurity and the fear of the unknown that the enemy is trying to distract us with. That's so true. Thank you so much for watching. And if there's anybody in your life you feel like could use this right now, please share it with them. Yes. And be sure and subscribe for future episodes. We've got some really fun ones coming up for the holiday season that you don't want to miss. We'll see you here next time.